0: Hi guys, and welcome to what I guess is season two of There I Read It, where I am going through the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter for the first time ever in my life. And today I have a special guest with me. You want to say hi? Hi everybody! I am here with Danny Quinn from Literary Chick, which is a YouTube channel that you can see, and the link will be in the description below, so you can get to her easily. We're gonna dive into the world of Harry Potter. We are, and she's gonna help me process my feelings on the Dursley family. I've tried, people. I've tried. Don't come for me. <laughs> okay, well, I I think um you're kind of my experimentation here because I haven't had a guest come on here and do this um with me yet. So I guess I. I will just kind of go through my notes and maybe you can jump in whenever you Oh my god, you have copious notes. I, I, do. I feel so unprepared. I, do. I have a lot of notes, don't worry. it's only a page, though. It's only a notebook page. It's not that intimidating. For those of you who didn't watch me go through Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about Harry and how much I even like the wizarding world, it's kind of very elitist to me. So I have a very strange perspective on all of this compared to most people. But okay, so as it turns out, over the summer, Hedwig has been cooped up in her cage and padlocked in there, just like all summer trapped in there. The Dursleys don't want to let her out at all. Uncle Vernon has banned use of the M word, meaning magic, which, you know, I I would argue that muggle would also be an interesting M word to ban. How do you feel about the word muggle?
1: So I think when J.K. Rowling wrote the Harry Potter series, she wanted to incorporate as many nonsense words as possible, if that makes sense. Like words that didn't really mean anything unless you knew what that term specifically meant in Harry Potter. And it's funny because like, you know, this is supposed to be the British wizarding world you know and they're called muggles just feel like there's certain things in the harry potter world like the term muggle that like i don't know it just has a weird sound and feeling to it like i know it's like it comes off as a derogatory yeah i feel
0: like it's kind of disrespectful there's
1: nothing i guess that i could specifically point to in the text that says this is seen as a derogatory word because i mean when they're talking about muggles in a derogatory way you know they use other sorts of words in a derogatory way so i don't know but like i said i just think muggle has a has a derogatory tone to it yeah I, I maybe feel the even if that's not the author's intention
0: yeah yeah and i yeah i don't know how to feel about that word but ever since they brought it up and it's just like oh those muggles and it's like wait a minute what what now <laughs> Like, if you replace that with any other inappropriate word, I mean, you can kind of hear it. It's signifying the other.
1: It's labeling what the other is, you know. Obviously, the wizarding world has hidden themselves from the muggle world.
0: Which I take issue with that, too, because I I think the reasoning they've given at this point is that, well, then people would want us to use magic to help them. I'm like, yeah! Yeah! And you should.
1: Well, they they kind of give a slightly different point of view in other ways, and that it's more about that although witches and wizards have magic, you know, the idea is that they are outnumbered by non-magical folk and non-magical folk if they were really seeking to eradicate wizard kind that could be done, so there's a self-preservation aspect to why they're hiding that they're magical as well. So,
0: wizards are just kind of dumb, <laughs> so, so they need an extra layer of protection. <laughs> That's kind of the gist I'm getting.
1: It's really strange because there's like a lot of themes that come in later books that kind of explore multiple different relationships between the wizarding world and the muggle world. and and how different characters perceive their places. So it's a lot to get into later that I don't really want to spoil. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, yeah, I should I should point that out. I am trying very hard to keep people within the chapter that we're in, because like I said, I've never read these before. So I'm trying to be as spoiler free as possible. Not that even I care so much about spoilers, but some people are following along with me and uh, they get pretty upset when you throw a spoiler at them. I think if you take it piece by piece,
1: and especially if you're somebody like McGann, who is coming to this property, who is... Now, I think you've
0: seen the movies, correct? I have seen the movies, yes. So I'm I'm aware-ish of what's gonna happen, but there are things that are different.
1: But even seeing the movies and not having read the books, there's still nuance that you're gonna pick up. Um, You know, we specifically talked about the fourth book is much more expansive than the movie, had time to kind of fit in and condense down. Um, and I think it's good that if you are really taking it, you know, piece by piece and letting the world build, you're going to think back on things that were kind of like breadcrumbs through and it's going to create a bigger picture. So you don't really want to spoil that now and kind of pre-form those opinions. So... I definitely get what you're trying to do with trying to take it
0: piece by piece. (laughs) Well, trying not to preform opinions and then and then at the same time I've got some very strong opinions on the Dursleys. So my next note here, the Dursleys are angry and terrified of Harry at this point and it's even worse than it was before he had um, knowledge of his magical powers. But I noticed that even at the end of the first book when they came to pick Harry up at the train station and I think they do deserve credit, they did show up to get him when they could have just been like Harry Who. But Petunia and Dudley especially seem absolutely terrified of everything that harry does and can do and petunia has already been kind of traumatized with what lily has done to her so i feel bad for them in that regard i feel like they're basically being terrorized in their own home with a kid that they didn't even want to deal with in the first place
1: well yeah but i mean taking into account that he doesn't come forthright like he's that harry is not forthright with the dursleys and does not tell them like oh yeah i can't actually do magic and he even says in this chapter like in the beginning of the summer like that was his sick twisted little pleasure was to <laughs> was to frighten dudley now whether or not dudley deserved it you know i'm not going to get into that because dudley does seem kind of like you know an a- well
0: i will say i mean the way i've interpreted dudley so far is that it's like a scapegoat in a golden child like narcissistic parent relationship there it's like everything that Dudley does is great, everything that Harry does is the bane of their existence. Yes. And, you know, no, Harry shouldn't have to go around living a life where he feels unsafe, but at the same time, don't the Dursleys have a right to be happy too? And the whole time the book is just like, well, look at these normal people. Well, look at these boring things that they want to do. Or look at I mean, but it's their life. They can live it however they want.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like an inferiority complex. Like, we don't care about your magical world. That's puff and nonsense, you know. We have the better life. Treating that life like it's not valued. If they could just see the value in each other's perspectives.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I can definitely see what you're saying there and how they have that sort of negative attitude about all things magic. But then when you get to the wizarding world, it's the reverse. Like, the wizards have negative opinions about all the muggle stuff. Oh, yeah. Even... Even during Christmas in the first book, he was going on of like, oh, well, you know, favors and human world parties are just garbage compared to this. Like, everything was so negative about anything that was normal.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's the part. That's a theme that I think kind of runs throughout the book series of that there needs to be. And it's and it's interesting because it's still the book series still ends, even with all of these examples of people not seeing each other's side of things. The book still ends with that separation between the muggle and wizarding world. That just seems awful. <laughs> I know the overarching villain of Voldemort, I, mean, I know that that was like the end-all-be-all goal of the series was eradicating that and that he specifically targets, you know, wanting to destroy the non-magical world so those who fought against him were in essence protecting the non-magical world. But At the same time, they still don't bring those worlds together, and I think that that would be something that would maybe have been a goal. You would (laughs) think. Based upon the fact that there's so many times when they just, like, they're just, those experiences are still separated.
0: Yeah, I don't know, there's just so much elitism, and I I know even things neville had said like oh i might not have been magic enough to get into hogwarts so everybody in my family was so shocked when i got my letter i'm like you almost didn't let my sweet baby nevzy in I don't know, at this point, have they discussed Squibs or not? I know they've talked about Filch, but I don't think they've talked about Filch's backstory. Since I've seen the movies, everything gets a little bit muddled up for what I've read and where I got the information at this point.
1: I think they dive a little bit more into Squibs in this book, specifically because of Filch and some other situations. But obviously Squib, for those who do not know or follow Harry Potter, that's a person of magical blood who does not have magic powers. And they treat those like they are pariahs yeah again kind of feeding into that elitism of like magic is the way
0: yeah and if you notice like haggard was expelled and he's not supposed to do magic he's a groundskeeper for the animals so yeah you even with magical folk you see such an elitism and such almost like a cast system a casting spell system <laughs> um oh and uh the next point i have here Harry mentions that magic is in the blood, and that that really makes me wonder why does Petunia not have any magical abilities at all? I could see if she didn't have enough to get into Hogwarts, but she has, like, nothing.
1: Well, and that's the thing too that's kind of interesting because, you know, there's this idea of magic and blood and bloodlines, and, and obviously the people who tout themselves as being pure blood of magic families that have always been magic, and there's a comment made at some point where Dumbledore is basically those family trees are lies. Like it's kind of one of those things, yes, they might have to a certain point been able to maintain, but someone somewhere was not born of that magical family. Like someone like there's something in their family tree that they're hiding. No one is a hundred percent pure blood.
0: Oh interesting.
1: It could obviously be something where you've got a great 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 grandma witch somewhere in your tree. <laughs> somewhere in your family tree that you didn't know about.
0: But you couldn't really know about it, though. Like, if if your family is mostly normal people, you wouldn't really know if you had great-great-aunt Sophie as a witch.
1: Yeah, like, all of a sudden, like, great-aunt Sophie went off to the forest somewhere and we (laughs) never saw her again.
0: Okay, the next note I have is that the Dursleys locked away all of Harry's magical items in the cupboard under the stairs. So we have proof that Harry did not get shoved back down in that cupboard once he came back from Hogwarts. Yeah. And it has been exactly one year since he's gotten that letter from Hogwarts, inviting him to come be a student, I guess. Oh, this was interesting. According to Harry, the Dursleys never gave him a quote, real birthday present. And here's uh, like, it's little things like this that make me have an issue with some of the things that Harry says and how he describes his abuse growing up. Because so much of it seems like It's from the perspective of an 11-year-old who takes everything personally and they think the whole world revolves around them. And we saw at Christmas in the first book, the Dursleys did send him something and Harry just treated it like trash. Like he gave it to Ron, like threw it, discarded it immediately because it was muggle, ew. And so to go from the last book of saying I've never had a birthday present in my life to being the very next year and he says I've never had a real birthday present, it's just one of those things that makes me raise an eyebrow Like, okay, well, what constitutes real? Like, what did you get?
1: Here's the thing. Obviously, they had to have at some point pointed out his birthday because he came there as a baby.
0: That's true. He wouldn't know
1: his birthday unless at some point it had been pointed out. Even dudley makes mention of the scene when he's in the garden he's like i know what day it is like i know it's your birthday yeah
0: so i'm sure like they knew and they just like didn't really say anything like you know they they didn't want to poke the bear kind of
1: you know i will say this in defense of the dirt of the dursleys Ooh. you know let's take it let's i know I've let's corrupted take into a counter perspective i know <laughs> it talks about that this dinner which they've been talking about for weeks the dursleys have been talking about for weeks because it's a a big work thing for vernon you know just happens to fall on the day i'm sure they weren't like yes of all days let me invite them on this day that is harry potter's birthday like let me just screw that kid over just a little bit more i'm sure it was one of those things that this that was the day that it happened to be
0: well and even if you look back in the first book where he's like oh i've never gotten to go anywhere when they take dudley out for his birthday and things like that I'm just kind of like, yes, but why? Is it just because they looked at you and said, we hate you and everything about you? Or is it because they took you out and some really freaky stuff that they couldn't control or explained happened? Because I feel like it might have been the latter.
1: I mean, I'm sure in maybe some ways it was probably a combination of both, you know, because they tried to kind of act like he didn't exist for the most part. It's one of those things that do I think that they were great and wonderful people? No. But I definitely see what you're saying is that you're looking at it from a perspective of an 11-year-old and his viewpoint on the world.
0: Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I also see this end of it as... No, I'm not saying that they're the most fantastic people to ever exist or that they really stepped up and did great by Harry, but they were there for whatever that meant. And they seem, like, absolutely miserable having him, but he's still there. I don't know, I would have probably called the orphanage and been like, here's a new kid, if it made me that miserable.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely a weird situation because I feel like like it wrapped up just too nice and neat. But like the rationale that they eventually give for him being there is just lazy writing in my opinion. (laughs) But I just feel overall they wanted to just kick around the Dursleys and Harry a little bit at the beginning of every book.
0: Well, yeah, and it kind of seems like anything that the fan base might have said, like, well, what about this perspective to justify the Dursley's behavior? And Rowling went, no, they're just going to be evil. And going back to something you said, that's actually the next note, is that Vernon is really excited for this big drill deal with uh, clients that are coming over for dinner at his house but harry just in general has this very well there's nothing in it for me attitude like oh well it's my birthday and they're not doing this or i should be getting that or it should be this way it's again such a childish attitude that it's almost frustrating for me and i get it's a, it's a young reader's book like this was not written for a 30 something year old woman to read and empathize it's not with. written
1: for someone jaded by our life experiences
0: <laughs> and and again that's not to say that the dursleys are great people but i can see where they're coming from like you've got a kid that you don't know what he could do at any given second you might not want him face to face with clients to turn them into pigs or something
1: yeah i definitely see their their fear and trepidation and again it's kind of one of those things where i think if somebody could mediate (laughs) And bring those experiences together that we could maybe reach a point of like, it's like they're destined to just misunderstand each other.
0: It's like all those movies where you're like, if you just had a conversation like a real person, you wouldn't be in a fight right now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's like, if a family therapist could just (laughs) mediate the situation, they could all get some counseling.
0: Maybe this would be better. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Harry goes on to mention that nobody has written him all summer. And he is horrified to even risk using magic because he doesn't want to get expelled from Hogwarts for using magic outside of the school So that's why Hedwig has been trapped in her cage all summer because Harry is afraid to do anything to get her out and then get caught Because there are eyes everywhere Speaking of which at that very moment some giant green eyes appear in the bush outside of Harry's window And then they vanish as soon as Dudley comes over and I had really completely forgotten what was coming next and I won't say it for those of you who haven't read it yet, but I was sitting there going, why would Ron be in the bushes with giant green? Like, what? Like, who's got giant green eyes?
1: Yeah. And I think maybe in a sense, too, is that that knowing that he hasn't heard from his friends all summer puts you in that sympathy stage for Harry. What JK Rowling does with Harry, and I think this is why a lot of people are so anti-Dursley, is that she sandwiches all of this All these circumstances that are kind of going on with these things that make you feel very sympathetic to Harry. Knowing that it's his birthday and he's not having a birthday party. Knowing that he hasn't heard from his friends all summer. Having Dudley tease him about his birthday being ignored. All of those things are designed to have you in a very sympathetic space for Harry, and you kind of gloss over, like we've been talking about, like the reasonable rationales for the behavior because you're just in that like, oh, poor Harry space. Yeah, see, I
0: don't know that I'm getting there. I don't know. There's, there's something defective <laughs> in my brain that I don't get to the poor Harry space at all. But yeah, Harry pretends to use magic on Dudley and that gets him in serious trouble and the way the book said it it was like oh well aunt petunia wouldn't let him eat a scrap of food until it was done and they said that he had to clean windows mow the lawn wash the car trim the flower beds prune and water the roses and repaint the garden bench and i will agree for an 11 year old that's a lot of work but also this is probably three or four hours of work so it's not like they starved him for the entire weekend yeah i mean I, I could see if it was like oh man and then i had to reseed the lawn seed by seed on my hands and knees <laughs> but it's it's like these are routine kind of chores that he probably had to do anyways and just hadn't done yet
1: yeah honestly again it was probably one of those things where she was like how can i keep him busy until dinner time yeah because if you look at the timeline of how they show it it's like he comes in he's immediately given food sent straight upstairs and like He's at the top of the stairs when the doorbell rings.
0: It's almost like she wanted to wear him out before they got here. (laughs) Like when you walk the dog.
1: Yeah, like he's gonna be so tired. He's just gonna go upstairs and fall asleep.
0: Yeah, when Harry comes inside, he does um, talk about, oh, they had all this good food going on, a pork loin in the oven, and his dinner was bread and cheese, and it was it was kind of gross, and he wasn't happy with it. And I agree, that that was probably the one part where I actually felt bad for Harry, like, oh man, that dinner sucks, but at the same time... What is she supposed to do? Like, she's cooking the pork loin, it's not even done yet. Like, what is she supposed to do? Come cut him off a piece that's still raw? I I don't know. Maybe there was something better in the fridge, maybe there wasn't. I kind of get the impression that the Dursleys might be a little more broke than they let on. Although they do talk about getting a vacation house, so I'm not sure how accurate that is. But I I don't know, I get some very, we don't have enough.
1: I mean, you could even make the justification of you know the pork loin she wants to bring the pork loin out solid with nothing cut off of it like you know to show as part of the dinner presentation and obviously they're probably not gonna eat an entire pork loin in a dinner so maybe like the idea is that she's gonna give him scraps like afterwards because he's not actually present at the dinner who knows
0: Well, and le- let's clarify like leftovers leftovers and scraps are different okay
1: all right, Scraps, scraps has definitely has a bad connotation. Yeah,
0: Scraps is like, here's the fat and gristle, but yeah, no, like, you're right. The Dursleys were being very presentation-oriented, and they were rehearsing, and they knew what they were going to do and how they were going to do it, and even what compliments they were going to give these people. So you're right, they probably did want to bring out this good show of, here's this beautiful pork loin, all intact. Like, look at this beautiful roast, like, all present-
1: Presentated. Yes, all
0: pieces present and accounted for. So, and I mean, that could very well be it is that they were waiting for the dinner party to be over, and then, you know, whatever's left over, whoever can have it, you know, or it'll be tomorrow's dinner or whatever. But I do also think it's important to note that. When Harry is complaining about having the bread and cheese, he's not saying that this is a constant regular type of thing, like he's always getting this bad lesser meal. He's said that he hasn't gotten, you know, seconds and fifths and eighths like Dudley gets, but he's never before complained that he's getting a different meal from the rest of the Dursley family. Yeah. And then the chapter ends with someone in Harry's bed, but we don't know who, because it likes to cut you off like that.
1: So going back to something that you had mentioned before, because I'm curious to hear your thoughts, you know, because you had kind of forgotten about where this kind of leads. I was wondering if you had any thoughts when they mentioned that the friends have not written him and he hasn't received any letters over the summer.
0: I have like a vague memory of something that went on, but really I was more like, well, then why don't you write first? Like, I mean, that's that's one of the contradictions I don't really understand is like, don't use magic outside of school, but here's a magical owl bringing you magical mail. Like how those two things seem like they contrast with each other.
1: I think he does say in the chapter that, you know, he wanted to send mail, but he'd have to get Hedwig out of her cage. Like he doesn't have an address book. Yeah, that's that's um, what's weird. Because, I mean, Hermione would live in the muggle world. That's true, yeah. He could technically post to Hermione, but, like, they never mention him having like, addresses in the way that we think of
0: addresses. Hermione mentions at one point in the first book that her parents are both dentists, so now you just have to look for two Granger dentists and you found Hermione. I mean, I, it surely wouldn't be that difficult.
1: There might have been another way, but then again, kind of like we talked about, Harry has this attitude of, what was me, like, oh, well they haven't tried to reach out, so I'm not going to try to reach them. Yeah. Like, he kind of makes an offhand comment about lacking the ability, and that's certainly true for Ron, but as far as like Hermione goes, if he really wanted to Get in, get into it, he probably could.
0: And then even with Hermione, I'm sure she could send and receive mail, so you know, write Hermione and say, hey, could you pass this to Ron? I will give Harry the benefit of the doubt that this was set in the mid-90s for this chapter, or this book, whatever, however this works. I think he officially graduated in like 1997 in the series, even though it came out in like 2006 or seven, something like that. But in the 90s, it was a lot harder to find people and track them down, so maybe if they kept the phone book from him, or maybe they don't do phone books in the UK, I'm not sure, but maybe there's an excuse that Harry couldn't get in touch with Hermione, but it didn't really sound like he did much to try to get in touch with anybody either.
1: I just happened to look at the publication and it says that the text was copyrighted in 1999.
0: Oh, that's great! I thought for sure I'd read that he graduated like in 97.
1: Okay, so yes, so they are saying that july 31st of 1991 is when harry potter meets hagrid and discovers he's a wizard so he starts september 1st of 1991 is when harry potter starts hogwarts
0: maybe that's when she came up with it and then she just didn't get it published for so long and she kept the original timeline or something like that
1: september 1st of 91 would have been when he started hogwarts
0: I can't believe that I got that right off the top of my head after hearing it like a decade ago. So yeah, no cell phones, probably hard to get an address book. But I don't know UK phone books from the 90s at all, so it's it's hard to say. Like, she could be on the other side of the country. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I'll try to give him the benefit of the doubt that he couldn't, if he wanted to, get a hold of anybody.
1: Yeah, but I was just curious if you had, like, if you immediately was like, huh, that's weird, like, or, you know, what would be the reasoning for that?
0: I I don't, I don't want to guess too much because I'm sure it's in the next chapter or two, but I feel like it's either got to be Vernon is hiding things somehow, which I I don't think would be the case because the owls wouldn't necessarily go to Vernon. They would go straight to Harry's window, I would think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or the other option is that it's the little fellow in the bushes that I don't want to name for anybody who's, uh, who's reading along with us. Oh, wait, yeah, I think I think that just, like, ka-chunked a bunch of memories from the movie. <laughs> just kachunk. chunk Oh, I see everything. Now I know Kung Fu. Okay, so overall this chapter, I, I don't know, I... I'm gonna trust that it's gonna build up and get more interesting like the first book did, but right now I'm still kind of fuming about this wizard elitism stuff going on. But I do wanna thank my friend Danny Quinn from Literary Chick for being here today and talking all the fun Harry Potter stuff with me. Again, if you enjoy her and her gorgeous self and her, you know, lovely silky voice, then you can check out her channel. I will make sure that it is linked below in the description. And other than that, Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time, family members. If you could try to, like, clap and sync with me, so that way it's easier to get the audio, so. <laughs> We're
1: so bad at this. Okay. okay, how about one, two, three, clap. Okay, one, two. One, two, three. <laughs>
0: Close enough. We'll call that a good day. <laughs> Got, like, all the wedgies. This is amazing. Start to a video. So um, The outtakes. We have
1: tons of yes, outtakes. Yes, we have
0: so many outtakes. A casting spell system.
1: Yeah. But it's...
0: <laughs> there, we solved it.
1: In Insert drum roll, please.
0: <laughs> oh, we have problems. <laughs>
1: Bust them boobies out.
0: Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, Megan, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current PO Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the Fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the Fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.